Hi, I'm Bill Zerald. I'm from Otsuka, where I lead alliance management in the digital space. And the comments and perspectives that I offer here are my own and not necessarily reflective of those of my company. Hey, and welcome to episode one of the Health Excel podcast. I'm Chandana from Health Excel. And I'm Martin from Health Excel. Joining us today will be Bill Zerul from Otsuka Pharmaceuticals. Bill, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Great. So I think before we talk about digital health and all the serious stuff, we'd love to know a little bit about you. Who's Bill? Like, where did Bill grow up? What were his hobbies and passions? And well, what led him healthcare? here? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate the opportunity to join both of you this afternoon. So I grew up just outside the Philadelphia area. And one of the things Philadelphia as an uh, as, as a region is particularly strong in is the healthcare industry. Right. So some major health systems, pharmaceutical industry there uh, in the region. And my family was not immune to this. So I had family members who were uh, involved in the healthcare industry in some fashion. And so really couldn't have a family dinner without engaging in the discussion of healthcare in some way. Right. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad, but it was ultimately, you know, covering really the issues of what was going on in healthcare in a very, very detailed level. And so as I grew up and went off to college uh, in the Philadelphia area as well, it was an opportunity for me to explore my interest a little bit more there. So majored in economics as an undergrad, but then also had the opportunity to take a few healthcare management courses while I was there. I also needed to uh, work. Some of us need to work when we're in college, you know, <laughs> you, know you gotta have that spending yeah. money somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and rather than just going off to an ice cream shop, I actually worked at the student health service. Oh, so it gave me another opportunity to see really from the ground floor, you know, the operations of a, of a medical practice. After graduation, I went off into the real world, uh, which was stark and exciting. And it was also actually a, a particularly good time because I joined the payer uh, industry. I would joined Aetna Health Plans in the Philadelphia area. And it was just at the time uh, that Clinton had been elected and was, okay. they were starting their efforts towards healthcare reform. Right, right. Um, and what was particularly intriguing to me, this was at a time where managed care was really just coming into to play. And being with Aetna, which was this traditional indemnity insurer, and seeing them try to convert into this new nimble, fast, fast world. That's of, tricky, right? It's very tricky. Yeah. And really some analogies for what we're dealing with in the kind of the traditional therapeutics world yeah. and the digital uh, arena that we're right. going to sp speak a little bit more about. So really a great time to be there. And, and what was your role? What did you do? My role was account management. Okay. So in that, in, and working particularly with small employers. So uh, these were people who were rolling out these newfangled health plans to their employees, typically very, very small, uh, uh, no more than 300 employees for okay. the particular company. And so my role was to explain it to them, to help them understand what this was and what it wasn't, right. um, to make sure that things get, you know, moved smoothly uh, th through the program. And that sort of role really gave me some great insights, I think, into uh, the fears that people had right. around insurance. The, the complexity, fears, right? The people complexity to around it, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was really a, a great time. I think timing is everything in many respects. It was a great time to be there, learn a lot, soak it in. And then after uh, being with Aetna for a few years, I decided to seize the opportunity to actually strengthen my education in healthcare in particular. So I went back uh, full-time to earn my MBA with a, a dual focus on both healthcare management as well as uh, finance. 
Uh, and during that time, I actually had a chance to jump to the other side of the table. So I was able to actually participate in an administrative residency in a health system. Right. Um, and it was over at Abington Hospital um, in Abington, again, just outside of Philadelphia. And that gave me insights into every aspect of running a hospital. And so I was not running the hospital. I was observing <laughs> what, was, what was going on. It was fascinating. Right, right. It was, yeah. So I could, I had the opportunity to sit in on a board meeting. I had the opportunity to see how the CEO and the CEO, COO managed their staff, managed yeah. the issues that were coming up. I was there during an audit from the Joint Commission, which was really insightful because you see how the hospital staff, both the administrative and the clinical scramble to ensure that they're going to pass all the aspects of the audit while they're also managing patient care and delivering the best they can. So just a fascinating experience to be on that side of it, having been on the payer side and now being on the provider side to see both of those lenses was terrific. Were there, were there any big surprises coming from the, the side that pays the bills to those that deliver? Were there any, any big eye-openers for you? Well, it was really interesting. It struck me at the time, and I don't know whether it's still true or not, but it struck me that the payers had better command of the information and data as it related to their negotiation with the hospitals. Interesting. Um, the hospital, at least the one that I was with, I think is a very effective hospital. They've done very well. But being on the inside, I could see that they struggled to pull together all of the information um, that would empower them from right. a negotiation perspective. Right. Um, so that was great. Um, finished up my MBA program, and, and my wife decided it was her turn to get a master's. Okay. Uh, and we uh, moved out to Ann Arbor, Michigan. She enrolled, right. and she received her master's in health services administration, again, keeping health care in the family. Okay, in the family. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, and that was when I had the opportunity to jump into the healthcare data space. So I joined a company that's currently known as Truven. Oh, yeah. At the time I was there, it was called IBM the, the, the MedStack Group. That's right. IBM yeah. has acquired them. They've gone through different uh, gyrations. So they were the MedStack Group. They were Thompson Healthcare, right. Truven, and now they're owned by IBM. That's right. So, so I was there in the late 20th century, um, <laughs> and they were still the MedStat group at the time. But that was my first deep dive into the use of data for driving decision-making. Okay. What was your um, role there, Bill? It was a marketing role, so it was an industry analyst, uh, both for our government markets, which predominantly were Medicaid agencies, right. and how they could use claims data to make better decisions for, for offering that, as well as our payer markets. I had a brief time where I was also out doing both of those verticals. Um, and fascinating business that I would say it really lit the fire for me of, of what the potential is and with respect to data. Uh, and I think they've been very successful over the course of their program and their, and their lifetime. And as I continued on in my career journeys, I was always looking for ways where I could continue to say, okay, how can we use data here? Or where can we drive uh, improvements in, in healthcare ultimately? So from there, after my wife finished her master's program, we moved back east and we moved to the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, I had the opportunity to join the advisory board company. Okay. Um, and this was a particularly interesting opportunity. The advisory board company, well known for its research um, and its publications, I was brought in for a Skunk Works project, was, which uh, was around developing a revenue uh, cycle management tool. They were not an IT company. So this was, there was just five or six of us involved in this. And I was involved from a marketing perspective, going out to health systems, testing the concept, understanding the needs and learned quite a bit during uh, during that process. Now, be, timing being everything, in this particular case, timing was not good uh, because they were just about to launch their IPO and they didn't want to make a significant IT investment right, at the time. Right. So the project did not move forward at the time. It has subsequently moved forward, as, as I understand, since they've gone public. 
So that gave me an opportunity to, to take another, make another move uh, where I moved over to the nonprofit arena, and in particular, uh, U.S. Pharmacopeia, which is known as USP. Yeah. And I was uh, brought over there to lead corporate development and corporate strategy. Fascinating experience. The organization's almost 200 years old. Not a lot of people know about it, what I suspect. Do they do? So they set standards for pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Okay. So, so at the end of the day, when we go to the pharmacy to pick up our aspirin uh, or the, the actual prescription, whatever it may be, how do we know what's in the bottle is actually what it's supposed to be? Okay. And, and effectively, the FDA regulates to USP's standards. And there's standards about strength and purity and identity and labeling and, and, and all of those sorts of things. So it's a fascinating place, just to yes. say the least, mm-hmm. uh, with a tremendous history. And they've done quite a, quite a lot of good work. And I loved my time there. I had a chance to visit many other countries where we actually established uh, a physical presence for the first time in nearly 200 years. We established a, a site in India. We established a site in wow. China and Brazil. That was exciting. It was. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience there. Yeah. And then kind of wanting to get back to that need around the data, uh, I was presented with an opportunity to join Premier, which is a large group purchasing organization in the U.S., and they have both a GPO side as well as a quality and safety side. And that's that's that quality and safety side is where I resided. And I ran their uh, data licensing and outcomes research business. So in this case, the pharmaceutical manufacturers predominantly were the clients, and we were making available data to them so they could drive their decision-making. And we were we had a group of PhDs and epidemiologists who would perform outcomes research studies right. uh, and marketing analyses. So this really fed my very strong desire for, okay, back in the data arena mm-hmm. uh, right. very predominantly. So did that for about five years, had a tremendously positive experience doing it. And then I got a little bit of an itch that I wanted to kind of take it to a different level. Um, you want to be an entrepreneur? A little bit of yeah. an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur yourself, I've, you probably think I was crazy to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Everything was going so well, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I just, it's one of those things, life is too short. And when you have the opportunity uh, to, to try something and with tremendous support from my wife who said, go for it. Um, and what and, was the spark for that? What, what, what you know, made you it, jump out of it? it sounds I, like a really interesting role. It was a combination of things. So I, I had been with Premier for five years, had a very positive experience, but it was got to the point where it was um, continuing to do the same thing. And uh, and I think with everybody who's got a little bit of kind of that zest for learning and doing things, yeah. it's like you get to a point where the environment was perfectly fine, but but yeah. but. I need the right, right, right. Exactly. And so it worked. It, it, it was it was a really interesting opportunity, again, an interesting time to try to throw my put up my own shingle. Yeah. Throw my hat in the ring for for this digital consulting. And I was particularly intrigued by all the extraordinarily talented people coming into the space. Right. From a technology perspective, from boy, wouldn't it be great if we could bring this to healthcare or bring that to healthcare? And how long ago is this bill? So this was roughly 2013 through okay. 20, into 2017. So it was really yeah. just starting. It was very early days of the digital the next wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. And and the the consistent theme that I would say I would took took away from it was we had these ambitious, very intelligent, um, very driven people who didn't know healthcare. Right. And so one of the lenses that I could bring based on you, what you're hearing about my career, yeah. payer side, provider side, industry, uh, life sciences, yeah. industry, et cetera, um, I could bring the lens of, okay, it's not good enough just to build something that you think is cool. 
um, even if it's rational, because healthcare is not always rational. Right. Yeah. Um, you need to figure out how does it, is it going to be reimbursed? Who are the stakeholders who are going to be imp- yeah. impacted by it? How does it fit into the workflow for the physician? Right. And th- I think it was eye-opening for a lot of folks. So it was a very gratifying experience. I really enjoyed doing it. It also opened the door for me to do some teaching. So I do some teaching affiliated with Rutgers University, oh, kind of in this space as well. What do you teach? Um, you? So I teach market access, uh, oh, okay. which ties to digital in yeah. many respects. It's yeah. not isolated to digital, but that's certainly a significant component of it. Very interesting. Um, also do some teaching around value-based arrange- co- contracting and, and uh, oh, opportunities in this space. Yeah, yeah. so f- fascinating um, uh, opportunities there. And then, uh, honestly, Otsuka trolled me on LinkedIn. Wow. <laughs> um, they said, we're going in this direction. And they've been playing in the digital space for a little while, certainly with their relationship with Proteus. But for the first time, they were committing some full-time dedicated resources yeah. to uh, to business development. And so they created a new role, um, and they wanted to see if I was interested in it. And the more that I learned oh, nice. about what they were doing. That's a cool gig, right? Yeah. They, they, just kept knock, they just kept knocking on your door? <laughs> they, knocking on your LinkedIn? They, they did. Yeah. They did. So that's a plug for LinkedIn, I suppose. <laughs> but also, I, you know, I give uh, um, Otsuka some credit here because I'm not worked in the pharmaceutical industry directly up right. until that point in time. So I'm a bit of an outsider. But you have this wealth of experience, which I think is really interesting. Sometimes it's great to have someone who isn't, uh, who, who isn't from the industry coming in but understands the different perspectives. I mean, that's really powerful. Absolutely. And and I don't think all the companies think that way. I think you typically right. see people jump from company to company to company, and yeah. it's very, you know, insular in that respect. And I think this was, they, they took a shot, and they said, yeah. let's bring in somebody with a different perspective. Starting to see a little bit of it now, right? Some of the CDOs, the chief digital officers are coming from outside the industry, yes. coming from retail and coming from different places. So exactly. it's interesting how that will shake out. Yeah. It, it is. Great. So yeah. it brings us to it, today almost, Yeah, right? and I think what it also shows for me is Otsuka were one of the early companies to partner even in digital health, like if you take Proteus as an example. So I think you can see that they're a bit risk-taking in all respects, I guess. They, they are. I would say, look, they're not they're not big pharma. Otsuka is not J&J. It's not Sanofi. It's not Eli Lilly. And so really, by necessity, it needs to think differently. Right. Uh, and I think it, it does so. And I think you also infuse the, it's a Japanese-headquartered uh, company and Japanese-owned company. So there's that cultural aspect to it as well. And I think it's a very robust combination to, that really tries, tries to get people to think the way they might not ordinarily think in other organizations. Right. Wow, that's that's yeah. quite the story. That's quite the story. <laughs> but it kind of ties in so seamlessly. And I feel like knowing Bill a little bit, yeah. it, it fits perfectly well because you're so thorough and everything. And even the, the trajectory seems right. well thought through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seems very well planned. It seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So where do you think we are today? So you've been in the industry for quite a long time. You've seen different perspectives. What's your assessment of where we are today with digital? So I would call it cautious optimism. So cautious in the respect that um, we haven't seen a laundry list of uh, successful business models for right. it yet. I think I think everybody. It's a lot of money gone in, right? And huge sums of money have gone into it, yeah. um, and other aspects are starting to, to move forward. For the, the regulatory environment is starting to try to figure out how do we accommodate uh, evaluating these things, like the FDA's pre-cert program and those sorts of things. Um, reimbursement seems to be the nut that has not been fully cracked just yet. So mm. what is the business model? So I, there may be a few out there who are, have, you know, can, can tout some success, but I would say they're the exception rather than the rule. Right. So until we get there, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic about it. Mm. But 
what it ultimately brings to the table is where my I'm certainly passionate about and a believer in is it's it's about bringing data to helping drive these decisions and the digital technology is an enabler for that. And I, I ultimately believe that's where this has to go. And so how quickly we'll get there, not, not fast enough as far as I'm concerned, but I, I believe at the end of the day, we will absolutely get there where there are successful business models for these and these are proven out. But right now, as you said, it's still early, even though this has been going on for a few years, I think we're still just on the cusp uh, of, of where all this can go right now. Why do you think it's so difficult to come up with these new business models? What's the What's the big gap or the big barrier, do you think? Well, because it's still early, I don't know that there's a huge volume of evidence yet. I think it seems apparent to a lot of us. Uh, you, you're starting to see some clinical studies come out that are right. showing showing mm. benefits, but it's it's a trickle rather than a, a waterfall. Right. Uh, and I think to un, people in general, perhaps, are, are, and especially as it relates to medicine and clinical decisions, you want to see the evidence. So I think until we get past some, the trickle into more of a waterfall, mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of where, where we need to get to ultimately for people to start, for us to start to see the behavioral change enough, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. And through your partnership now, so what is what is the Otsuka Proteus partnership doing to gather this evidence? Um, maybe there's a model for others to imbibe here. Uh, to see how are you pushing the envelope with gathering evidence, getting regulatory approval that you have now? How are you thinking about reimbursement? So if if I may just take uh, 30 seconds to describe what the uh, the solution is yeah. for folks who may not be, be aware yeah, of it. Yeah, that'd be great. So the Otsuka-Proteus relationship is around creating a digital medicine system. And what that boils down to is it's it's a it's an Otsuka pill, a tablet, that is embedded with a Proteus sensor. And ultimately, what this allows the system to do is to measure ingestion. So a patient will wear a patch. The patient takes the sensor-embedded pill, uh, tablet. Once it hits the digestive juices, it sends a signal to the patch. The patch sends a signal to an app on the phone, sends it to the cloud, and to wherever the patient wants the information sent, a physician, a family caregiver, what have you. So the spirit and the value proposition there, especially in the space that Otsuka plays in, which is the mental health space, and the first product for this digital medicine system is Abilify, which is a, a um, for schizophrenia, uh, among other indications. And it's it's a very tricky space for uh, people taking the medic- medications right, as course. directed. So we see this as an incredibly powerful tool in ensuring clinicians, family caregivers, and others really know what's going on with the patient mm-hmm. in that respect. And so to get your question, Chandana, on the business model, rather than a traditional big splashy pharma launch, we've been taking an extraordinarily deliberate approach. So we received this approval um, in the fall of 2017, and we've been reaching out and engaging with just a small number of plan partners because we're basically taking the tact of this is different. This is not just another pill to prescribe. There's there's the... um, the system that the provider needs to have in place because they're going to be receiving the data. And how does the physician want to receive that data? How frequently, how meaningful is it and useful? Uh, As well as the reimbursement side from, you know, what's, what are the studies that are ultimately going to show? So we're doing real world studies ultimately to, to be able to, we believe, demonstrate the impact that payers will ultimately want to reimburse for. So it's a long way of getting to the point is, is we're not just jumping into it and saying, hey, we've got it. Everybody come to the party. We're working with partners to build this out in a very deliberate way. 
And do you have some semblance of results at the moment? What direction is it looking in? Still early. Okay. But our optimism remains extraordinarily high. And in, in fact, we expanded our relationship with Proteus this past fall. We announced the expansion where we're really looking to have a portfolio of antipsychotic drugs. So okay. we started with Abilify and we have others in the pipeline behind it. Um, so it's just, uh, I, I would say, uh, an indication of our belief that that this is going to, you know, ultimately be potentially a game changer for the industry. And so if you've had multiple, I guess, steps in this partnership, obviously it's a successful partnership, or um, I'll let you comment on that. But can you talk a little bit about, obviously, as a larger company, what what are good practices when it comes to partnering with a then startup? I'd say Proteus is much larger now. But um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm sure everybody's so curious to know how this relationship works. How did it start? So it, it was actually driven by the former CEO uh, of Otsuka back in 2011, 2012. I think the contract may have been signed in 2012. Um, and it was it was visionary. Uh, even, you know, even back then, it was really looking forward to how do we take this to the next level? How do we best treat patients that that are in our area of mental health and, and suffering from these different um, diseases? And so I think it was a very novel, innovative idea. I would say that one of the things that has worked well um, is is trying to learn about each other because, let's face it, the cultures are extraordinarily different. Right. And I would be disingenuous if I said to you, everything worked perfectly from day one. It was smooth sailing. It wasn't. There were some bumps along the road. What was excellent, though, was both parties were very committed to making it work. So when you start with that commitment, you can really overcome quite a bit. The second piece was really being willing to understand those cultural differences and being open-minded about it. Uh, I think one of the things that that an organization like a, a traditional pharma company uh, might be, there might be a healthy tension opportunity here, yeah. is to be open-minded to when when the startup says, well, why do you have to do that? Well, there, there could be a very good reason for having to do that, or it could be, well, that's the way we've always done it. That's not a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to be able to have that dialogue was extraordinarily useful and helpful for us overall as well. So, so I think th- that sort of you know being open minded, being willing to embrace, being willing to question what we've been doing, mm-hmm. I think has gone a long way to making it a very successful re- relationship overall. A lot of patience as well. I mean, seven years, right? Which in tech terms is a long time, but I guess in in life sciences terms isn't that long. You know, so. I guess to stick with with that through, you know, and still be going as a sort of sign of the commitment to the project. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean, there were there were definitely some setbacks along the way. We got uh, we received a letter um, after our first submission that we needed to do more studies, more information, which we we complied with. Certainly, this is right. the letter from FDA. We ultimately complied and sent mm. the information back, and as we said, ultimately got the approval. But um, yeah, it's look. This this is the first of its kind, right? This, and and we both parties understood that um, Proteus had gone on its own and received FDA clearance for their medical device aspect to this, the sensor, the whole system. Otsuka had separately already had approval for the pill. 
Now, how do you pull this together? And it wasn't only our two organizations working together. Uh, it was also the FDA figuring out, well, what exactly is this? And we actually worked with five different FDA agencies through the process, wow. So, which was very different for Otsuka from, again, a traditional pharmaceutical moving through the pathway. So lots of learnings from a lot of different stakeholders along the way. That's great. So coming back to the analogy of the of the trickle on the on the waterfall or, or the the trickle on the on the torrent, how do we as an industry, like you guys have now your relationship with with Click, um, so so it's not just a once off. You've got you know uh, repeatability, but how do we? We've got such big challenges in healthcare. How do we speed this up? Like, so I don't know how you how you think about that. I mean, obviously you got to bring the different stakeholders on board, but like we got to do this faster, right? As an industry, so how do you think we speed it up, Bill? Well, th- that certainly is the key question to all of this, and and I think it goes back to okay, we recognize we need to collect the evidence, and candidly, collecting the evidence does take time. So if we start recognizing it will take time, how do we accelerate the time? Uh, some way, some of it, I think, is going to be being open-minded, both from an industry perspective and perhaps from a regulatory perspective, right. to to novel and different approaches around clinical trials associated with digital solutions. Yeah. Uh, and so you mentioned our relationship with Click, and where Otsuka is particularly excited about this is, is while we have our relationship with Proteus, digital medicine, that solution still revolves around a pill, right. something that somebody ingests. Click t- takes us to the next step where there is no pill. This is truly a digital solution at its core. And so do you need to have, and I'm truly just asking the questions, mm-hmm. the same structure uh, and approach to clinical trials as you would take on the, on right. the pharmaceutical side where you're ingesting something in right. your body? Right. And I think th- these questions haven't been answered. Uh, I think there are attempts to address this. I think that's why the FDA has the pre-cert program. Yeah. Because as much as you want to accelerate things, you also want to make sure that you're not causing any harm. Right. And and fundamentally, what's always particularly intriguing to me about all of this is that with a pill, a tablet, you don't ever want that to change. You want consistency you right. know, in the formulation. And every single time a patient takes it, it is it is exactly the same. Digital, by definition, is always changing, right? It's the whole idea is yep. for it to be personalized, yep. to, to build Agile. on the data that yep. comes in. So fundamentally, a different paradigm. So how do you create an ideal you know, review and evidence-building system for, for looking at those sorts of solutions? And uh, I wish I had the answer because I think I could go off and set up another consulting business. And, <laughs> just yeah, <kidding>. and retire. <laughs> and retire. Yeah. No, but it is truly, that's, that's the crux of all of this. Very good. That's great. And Bill, so to wrap it all up, if we were not talking to Bill from Otsuka, who would we be talking to today? That's a really interesting question. So <laughs> I think if you looked at the books on my, my bookshelves at home, they are they are uh, deep in American history. Okay. So you might be talking to Professor Bill from uh, a local reputable college, <laughs> uh, teaching uh, uh, young minds, trying to expand them about American history. It's always been a very a, a big area of interest for me. Wow, interesting. Right. And watching sports in of City. Course. Well, all, of course. Well, all the Philadelphia sports teams, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's great. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Bill. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. So, Chandana, he was a great first guest. Absolutely. Amazing really experience, right? I mean, uh, just it's interesting when you do these, you get really behind the sort of background and the experience that somebody like that has. Do you, what, what did you learn from that 30 minutes? 
Well, I guess Bill, he's so positive and optimistic about working in the digital health space. And I think he's kind of one of the front runners trying to move the needle, which is really refreshing and great to see. And uh, I think that's really my takeaway from it. He represents a good partner right. and, and someone who can be a good leader for this industry or this movement. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. Thank you for joining us on episode one of the Health Excel podcast. On episode two, we'll be joined by Robert Garber, partner at Seven Wire Ventures.